welcome to another episode of The Good Vanilla, the Barefoot Contessa podcast where the chicken stock is homemade, store-bought is just fine, and the vanilla is always good. I am your host, Nick Kachanov, and today we are celebrating Jeffrey and his accomplishments, because uh, why not? I feel like we haven't talked about Jeffrey in a while. I, I miss him, you know? Um, and I've missed all you listeners, of course. Happy Friday. I have a jam-packed weekend ahead of me, uh, but it's all like fun things, you know? It's going to be an exhausting weekend, but it's all, it's like, you know, the calendar's full. We have stuff almost all day, every day, which normally I get kind of cranky about, but um, we are participating in a neighborhood yard sale. Um, we have to haul our shit over to our friend Jana's house, though, because our house it, it doesn't have like a front yard we have a backyard but uh our friend jana's house which is where the, the the yard sale actually is she has like a huge front yard so we're bringing a whole bunch of stuff over and we've been slowly going through the house and you know like lifting up things and saying like does this spark joy and if it does then we keep it and if not then we sell it um because we have a lot of stuff uh it's funny, I feel like we like we already got rid of so much stuff. Like, Kiana's already taken, like, two or three, like, car loads of stuff over to Jana's. And I don't know why. I thought I the house still kind of feels the same. I thought I would feel like, I don't know, the way you feel, like, when you change your sheets or something. Like, you really, you really did something. Or if you, like, rearrange your furniture and just, like, the house feels different. It's a different vibe. But, I mean, all that being said, I, I still feel good about the stuff that we will hopefully sell. Uh, Keon is more of a maximalist and I am a minimalist, but I'm not like that minimal, you know, he just has a lot of stuff. And like anytime someone comes to our house, they're always like, oh my gosh, look at this place. Because Keon's, you know, he's an artiste and he's collected a lot of cool stuff over the year. Um, but I, I would gravitate probably more towards like, like what Ina like Ina's style, you know what I mean? I love, like, and I get that she's, like, white and gray and beige, <laughs> but, like, I feel she's also come a long way with that library, those orange pillows, the orange couches. I feel like she has pops of color, and that's, like, just enough for me. But, you know, uh, we always meet somewhere in the middle, Keon and I. Um, you know, it's all about compromise. Um, anyway, I, I guess it's high time we get into this episode, shall we? So this is season seven, episode two, and it's called Jeffrey's Treat, which I thought was really cute. So Ina begins out in the like the middle of a field almost. I don't know where she is. It's very like I don't know, she probably she probably is in her backyard or something, but it looks very big. Anyway. And Ina begins, she says, My husband Jeffrey is amazing. He's working full time on his new business, and now he has a new book contract too. I think that's worth celebrating. So I'm making him an old-fashioned bistro dinner and an old-fashioned cocktail to go with it. We're going to start with real whiskey sours, the kind our parents used to drink. Then, filet of beef au poivre, juicy steaks seared with spicy cracked pepper, and a sauce made with brandy and shallots. On the side, crispy matchstick potatoes. And for dessert... Delicious strawberry tarts with sweet pastry, vanilla cream, and luscious berries. Jeffrey works so hard all week. There's nothing like a home-cooked meal to make him feel really glad that he's home. <laughs> um, this menu sounds great. I am on board with everything. There's no blue cheese. I was I was trying to pick a, uh, an episode for this week, and 
I guess I like I knew it, but I Ina just loves blue cheese, and I have to get over that. But um, I'm I'm really jazzed about this menu. So let's get into it. So Ina starts off. Uh, she's making the pastry first. She starts off by taking a bowl of refrig. I thought it was refrigerated, but it was actually frozen. It was in the freezer. Ingredients, and we find out that it's flour, sugar, and a little salt. It's all in like a little glass Pyrex bowl. And as we know, pastry is best when all the ingredients are ice cold. I feel like this is a little drastic, though. I'm surprised she didn't, like, put her whole food processor into the <laughs> into the fridge. Um, she dumps it. Speaking of which, she dumps uh, everything into the food processor. And after that, she adds some cold butter and vegetable shortening, which she also puts in the fridge, too. I can't even remember the last time I used Crisco. My mom used to use it a lot when um, when we were younger. Um, but I feel like, is Crisco, like, no more? I mean, I feel like people still use it. I, I just don't, just because I don't use it doesn't mean that it's, you know, not in existence anymore. But, uh, yeah, shout out to Crisco. Uh, so she blitzes the butter and the dry ingredients and the Crisco until it's the size of peas and then adds a quarter cup of ice water through the, like, the feeding tube. Is that what you call it? Feed tube? I can't remember what she called it. But, you know, the pipe, uh, mechanism there. Um... And then she dumps it out onto the counter, uh, eventually becomes a dough, obviously, and then she dumps that dough out into the counter and rolls it into a ball, and she cuts it in half, since she only needs enough dough for two fruit tarts. Uh, this recipe would actually make four, but she only needs one for Jeffrey and herself. So next up is the pastry cream, the best part of everything. She gets out that big Pyrex and pours in some milk, which she puts into a saucepan to, um, you know, heat up a little bit. And then in the standing mixer, she combines uh, some eggs and some sugar, and she beats it together until they become like really thick in like this beautiful like pale yellow. And she's like, it does take some time. And then to that, she adds some cornstarch to thicken it up. And then she pours the scalding milk, which you all know my annoyance with this. She pours the scalding milk with like with the saucepan like into the standing mixer it's like Ina you got the Pyrex right there I would just like dump you know dump it into the big Pyrex there that way you can just like very easily dump uh you know it into the standing mixer I don't know she gets it all over the counter not all over the counter but you know you can you can see it there um I wonder do you think it's because she has like a crew that she knows is going to clean it up I don't know. I would be nervous to do that because I it's like with the saucepan, you have to do it like super fast. And with like the mixer whirring around, I don't know. Uh, anyway, she pours the liquid back into the saucepan on low to thicken it up. And then she adds some good vanilla and then a splash of cognac as well, too, which delicious. Yes. Uh, and then she adds a, tea, uh, a tablespoon of butter and some heavy whipping cream to that as well. And then she puts it through a sieve to get uh, rid of any of the lumps. And then she finishes it off by putting just like a little uh, piece of like plastic wrap on top of it. And then she puts it in the refrigerator to cool down. And by this time, the, uh, the pastry dough is cool enough that she can roll it out. So she brings it out and uh, she cuts the dough into two pieces, one for her and one for Jeffrey. And uh, she reminds us to roll from the center uh, out to keep it as even as possible, which I, which is actually a good tip. I feel like, I don't know, I, I, I would have not known that. I feel like I would have just like, you know, there's, I mean, obviously there's technique to rolling pin, uh, you know, with pastry dough stuff. But I, when, you know, when I was a kid and I was helping my mom, I was just like, 
<laughs> you know, it was chaos. Um, but she, and then she puts the dough into the mold, reminding us not to stretch the dough to sort of, I don't know, almost collapse it a little bit. So when you like kind of push it to the end, it, uh, it doesn't tear or anything. Another hot tip, to be honest. And then she puts little pieces of uh, just like maybe like a four inch by four inch square of like buttered aluminum foil. And then she puts beans on top of them. I think this is called a blind bake if I'm like, like trying to channel my like great British bake off terms here, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Or uh, is it like a proof? Oh my gosh, I don't know. Should have looked it up. I'm sure some, someone will uh, let me know. <laughs> um, but uh, basically, it's th the weight of the beans keeps the pastry from puffing up. And um, so she puts it into the oven for a bit, then takes the foil off with the beans, and then pricks the crust with a fork, and then puts them back into the oven to sort of finish off and, you know, get that golden, delicious brown color. Um so after the break, she's hulling some strawberries that she eventually cuts in half. And she says, if they're gigantic, you can quarter them. And I don't know why she really chose to emphasize gigantic, but it's like a classic Ina emphasis. If you know, you know, it's gigantic. Um, but these are not gigantic strawberries. So she, um, she just cuts them in half. So... Next, she's building the pastry. This is like, I mean, I know it's a lot of steps. Again, I'll probably never make it. So, but, you know, I'd like to think that this is kind of a an easy sort of showstopper thing. I think the hardest, like the most complex thing is probably probably the pastry cream. But it seems pretty simple. Like she, so she takes the, um, she puts a few dollops of pastry cream into the cooked pastry shells and then spreads it out with a spoon. And then she arranges the strawberries in a really like, cute way. It's uh, She puts like the tips pointing out in a circle. They look beautiful. Uh, and next up is, uh, an, I almost said apricot. I'm going to say apricot. Uh, jelly glaze. Essentially, this is like apricot jam with a little water that she puts into a saucepan. And then she eventually brushes over the strawberries and the pastry cream. I was surprised by that. But this makes sense. I feel like I always see this. We have this like amazing French bakery right down the street. It is very dangerous, but so good. Um, and I always see like the, the strawberries or whatever really fruit it is has that like beautiful glaze on top. I feel like it preserves it almost in a way. Um, I just love dessert. And... Oh, to top it all off, she sprinkles some pistachios on top. It is, it's a work of art, honestly. I, I would devour this. And again, it really doesn't take too much, um, like, ingenuity to sort of make this. I feel like anyone can, you know, look at a picture of how the strawberries are arranged and, and make it happen. So who knows? Maybe I'll make it for a dinner. Maybe when Keon writes his book, um, <laughs> I'll make him this, uh, this little dessert. So next is the whiskey sour. And I always laugh at this because in Pittsburgh, we have, I don't even know. I mean, we call it Pittsburghese. We have a lot of weird terms and like weird ways that we say everything. As the aforementioned uh, kielbasa in Pittsburgh is kabasi. Don't know why, but it is. But um, the way that we, <laughs> like, if we say the word like tower or sour, we say tar or sar. So, and my mom and dad are like such yinzers, you know, that's because uh, yinz is our version of y'all. So if anyone has like a thick Pittsburgh accent, we call them yinzers. Um, but a whiskey sar. 
is I think that's my it's one of my mom's favorite drinks for sure. But I think she's gone away from them because she has she only orders them at weddings. She doesn't drink like well, I shouldn't say that she actually drinks a lot of wine. Sorry, mom. Um, But she doesn't really drink cocktails too often. So she would order like a whiskey sour sour um, or but then she and this is only like I feel like this was in the last 10 years too. She finally had a rum and Coke. And I was like, how have you not had a rum and Coke? Um, but, you know, she went crazy over them. She went crazy, as I would say. Um, but I I can assure you my mom has probably not had, I've not had a whiskey sour this elegant. I mean, this is, it's fresh. So Ina tells us this story. She goes to the pantry to get... Um, some Jack Daniels and she says when she was a little girl her dad would have a whiskey sour and then give her the cherry uh, which is questionable but also fine like a child's not going to get drunk off of one cherry but uh, I don't know would I give it to my kid maybe <laughs> if they were teething maybe um, but I guess I probably wouldn't be able to chew the cherry right oof it's a good thing I don't have kids anyway uh, so she says Oh, this okay. This is funny. She says most whiskey sours that you get in a restaurant are made with sours mix. Ugh, I hate that. And uh, it's true. I mean, that kind of it's like it's like margarita mix. It's I just feel like instant heartburn. And I'm not a snob about it. I just I just don't order it. Um, so Ina tells us that this is made with fresh lemon juice, fresh lime juice, and a simple sugar syrup. Um, so she's like juicing the lemons and the limes and she like glances up at the camera and she's like, you really have to use fresh lime juice. Don't even think about using one of the plastic ones. Hmm. And it made me laugh. Uh, and then she, so she's pouring this all like in, um, I don't know what you would call it. She called it like a beaker at first, but it's, it almost looks like, a. I don't know. It's like narrow at the top and then it like sort of bellies. It looks like a pot belly stove like sort of that shape but it looks it looks cool it looks very chic um so she's dumping all these ingredients into that like the whiskey and then the lemon juice and the lime juice and then she tops it off with some simple syrup to uh finish it off which i believe is equal parts sugar and water if i'm not mistaken so after that is made she plops it in the fridge and she is off to the butcher to get some steaks so she walks up to the counter and gives us kind of you know, a, a very brief crash course in steaks. She says for grilling, she likes to use a ribeye steak or a New York strip steak. For roasting, she likes a nice filet of beef, don't we all? Uh, but for today, it's a special day, so she's getting filet mignon. And uh, she walks up to the, or no, she's already at the counter. So Bill is the uh, the butcher behind the counter here, and Bill wraps up her two filets. And Ina asks, Bill, what should I be looking for in my meat? And, um, oh, by the way, Bill is like, he's like a Bruce Willis type. He's very handsome and sort of like a butcher sort of way. You know what I mean? He looks like a dad, um, but he was gentle, I feel. <laughs> anyway, um, Bill says that we should look for the, the type of marbling, which um, I feel like I'm mansplaining this. But in case you don't know what the marbling is, I feel, I mean, I'm going to make up my own definition of what it is. But it's, it's sort of like the fat that is, uh, you know interspersed in the actual steak itself like I feel like what is that like really expensive cut of meat like wagyu or something where it's like very white it actually looks like this beautiful pattern of fat um that's you know that's my definition of marbling I don't know uh and then he Bill also says to look out for the texture of the meats and the color 
and he says to avoid a bright red steak and maybe go towards a darker red because it has more flavor, which, um, some good tips there, Bill. Uh, so <laughs> the best part of this is like, I know, or like Bill's like really kind of taking his time and telling us and Ina's almost like, yeah, 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 I gotta go. Thanks so much, Bill. She like interrupts him like right at the end. It was Bill's moment and she cut him short, but, uh, that's the, that's show business, right? So Ina is back at the house. Uh, she's in the kitchen for some matchstick potatoes. And uh, this is going to be the side for the steak, which makes me think of, and I hate to pull the Ina Garten here because this is going to sound so bougie, but when Keon and I were in Paris, uh, I think we went in 2019, we went to a place called L'Entrecote. And I don't know what it means. I feel like it has some translation. I tried looking it up and... Um, I don't know, but the, the restaurant itself, I feel like it's a type of steak because it's, um, I almost feel like it was like a skirt steak. Like it was very like thin and had this like amazing sauce on top of it that was sort of like, oh gosh, I don't even know what it was. It was like this green, luscious, it had like fresh herbs, like parsley or something within it. And that's the only thing on the menu. You can only get the steak and fries and like the steak frite, as they would call it in, in Paris. But it's so wild because he went one time when I was not there uh, with his cousin and it, it. I think they open, let's just say they open like every night at like six or seven. And when you get there, you have to get there early because the line will wrap all the way around the corner. And we were scared because we got there a little bit later than we did. And then they just kind of pile you in there. And it's one of those restaurants where like you're sitting so close to one another, like they pull the table out so one person can scoot in and then the other person sits across from you. And it's amazing, though. It's like that's the only thing they serve. They do it so well. It's kind of like a one and done. You don't have to worry about like, you know, what am I? They have wine, of course. So we had some wine with it, but you don't have to worry about what you're getting. Everything's always the same price. So it's... um. It's kind of genius in a way. So if you're in Paris, go to L'Entrecote. It is, uh, it's a must. I, I, I really enjoyed it there. Anyway, back to East Hampton. Um, where was I? Oh, the matchsticks. So she slices these potatoes really thin and, you know, to make them, make them look like matchsticks. Um, and some of these, I guess I'm trying to remember back to L'Entrecote too, that I, I guess it is the same sort of, uh, like width or, uh, like size of fry they're like do you remember those potato sticks i feel like they still have them oh my god it's been years since i've had those it came in like a little like canister and oh they were so good i loved potato sticks i might buy some this weekend who knows um but that's what this kind of reminds me of in a way uh, but they still have that like french fry quality not all of them are paper thin there's some of them that are a little a uh, little thicker than others which is kind of nice um so ina uh, she puts them in cold water for like a second and then drains them and puts them in the oil and they cook for about three to five minutes in the oil. And then as they're cooking, Ina stares at the potatoes and says, Jeffrey's not going to know what hit him. <laughs> it, was, it was just funny. Um, so she takes them out of the oil and then puts like fresh like fleur de sel on top of them. Ugh, it looks so good. She tries one of them and then she puts them on a sheet pan to... Um, you know, kind of keep them warm for dinner so they don't cool down. Uh, and next, the bell of the ball, the steak au poivre. It's, I don't know what the au poivre means. I should have looked that up again. I'm sorry, folks. Um, but she dips each side of the filet 
into cracked pepper, which I'm not like, I'm not a huge fan of pepper, uh, but I respect it. Would I still eat this? Of course, I would eat filet mignon like every day if I could. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of fine with it, but I would, yeah, maybe poivre is pepper, maybe. I should probably look it up. Let me look it up real quick. I'm going to pause. I was right. Steak au poivre is pepper, or poivre is pepper in French. So uh, I feel really proud of myself for, for putting that together, even though it's like the only ingredient. <laughs> I'm like, I wonder what it is. I guess it's pepper. Um, but still, we have to celebrate the small victories. Uh, so anyway, she puts these in some butter and olive oil in a little pan, and then she put, uh, she cooks them like three to four minutes on each side and then immediately takes them off to put them on a plate to rest for a bit. I feel like she puts foil on top. Um, I like my steak. I don't know if I love it medium rare, but like it's always going to cook a little bit more like on the plate a little bit too. So I usually order a steak like medium. Um, so now it's time to make the sauce for the steak. And this is just, I mean, I love a sauce. I just think that uh, it looks so good. So she puts in first are some shallots, uh, shallots, and then a third of a cup of beef broth. And it just, it's its so funny because she's like a third of a cup of beef broth. I don't know why I have to like really slow that down as I say it. And then she she like looks at it. She's like, don't make your own. And then she's like, unless you have it, but a good like quality can of beef broth is fine. Why am I, why is that so hard to say? Beef broth, beef broth, beef broth. A little bit of a tongue twister. So... Uh, she lets that kind of simmer a little bit and she lets it reduce by half. This is the sauce still. And next it's like, um, that music starts up. It's like, dun, dun, and it's like, it's like the, that's the guests are arriving sort of. It's like the last three minutes of every show, you know? So it's time to party. Ina gets out the whiskey sour mix. She fills a shaker with ice and the whiskey sour mix, and she puts, um, you know, she gets out the martini glasses and puts a maraschino cherry in the bottom. Very elegant. Um, and then she takes Jeffrey a drink, who is in the library, I guess. And, you know, this is a long time ago. He looks so young. Ugh, he's so adorable. Uh, he's typing away on what looks to be, like, <laughs> like a laptop from the Stone Age. It's crazy. It's so funny to look at, like, cell phones and computers um, over the years. Um, and I also love how Jeffrey types. We, as she's leaving the room, we see him like work again. Cause he's writing his book, you know, and he types like with both pointer fingers. It's like how all dads type, you know what I mean? And, uh, Ida comes in and she's like, Hey babe, how about a celebratory whiskey sour? And they toast to his new book. And, um, or Ina says like to your new book. And then Jeffrey says, may it one day be complete. Uh, which is uh, it's pretty good. So Ina, she sort of like floats back into the kitchen to finish off the sauce for the, for the steak au poivre. And she adds cognac and some butter to this. Yes, please. Oh my gosh, it's so rich in every sense of the word. So now it's time to plate everything. She plates the steak, the fries. She puts like a little sprinkle of parsley over the fries. The sauce is just, it's divine. It looks so good. Um, and it's time to sit down. Steak frite, exclaims Jeffrey as they, they clink glasses together, uh, glasses of red wine, that is. And Ina pulls out the strawberry tarts in all their glory. 
And Ina says, so how about I make you steak au poivre whenever you start a book and finish a book? And Jeffrey, you know, he's smart. He says, well, what about when I'm in the middle of a book? And Ina says, well, I guess it's roast chicken. (laughs) She says it like in a tone that suggests like, don't push your luck, buddy. And Jeffrey, you know, very obediently says, oh, okay, that'll do. And uh, they sort of laugh. And uh, that's the end of the episode. A great menu. I, I love a celebration. I love a good steak. I love a good dessert. It's kind of and a good cocktail. Honestly, this is like um, this is like the best menu I could imagine for some sort of you know special occasion. And I guess that's it. I like this episode, and I um, I feel like we learned something. You know, we learned about the stakes, and uh, that's all I got, folks. So thank you everyone for listening. If you want to follow the podcast on social media, you can follow it on Instagram at goodvanillapod. And you can also send me an email at goodvanillapod at gmail.com. Also, I made a group for the Good Vanilla on Facebook. Very easy to find. Just search the Good Vanilla. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review. Or you can just tell another Barefoot Contessa fanatic that also works too. And if you want to know where to get more of me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Kochanov. And you can find me on my other podcast, The Best Supporting Podcast, every week with Colin Drucker. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Stay safe, and I'll see you next time.